Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. Some of you are aware that um, Dan Brown, the author of The Da Vinci Code, has um, released a new book called The Origin. Um, and um, it is a continuation of the story of Robert Langdon, the symbologist who was introduced to us uh, perhaps to most of us, in The Da Vinci Code, though there is a previous book. And as many of you are aware, uh, Dan Brown um, uses his books to explore alternative religious history, theories of alternative religious histories. The most well-known book, of course, is The Da Vinci Code, in which he offers a, a new opinion on the role of Mary Magdalene in the history of Christianity. This morning, I'm not going to be speaking about um, Dan Brown's new book, but the publication of his book entitled The Origin reminded me of a book that had been published in Hebrew in 2015 and then released in an English translation in 2016 entitled Judas. Um, Judas is a novel Uh, written by Amos Oz, widely considered Israel's greatest living writer. Oz is most uh, well-known for uh, his penetrating look at the early years of settlement in Israel. His books are always very personal, but he is, of course, an unbelievable um, essayist when it comes to some of the many issues surrounding the Jewish state. Um, Judas, as a book, is no different. It is a penetrating look at um, the origins of the Jewish state and intertwines within it the story of Judas from a very different perspective. I've invited Dr. Sidney Kardash um, to share with me some thoughts on the book of Judas. Uh, Dr. Kardash offered a review this past week at the Malka Pass Jewish Book Group. The Malka Pass Jewish Book Group, which is open to the public, um, is the longest continuous book group in Ottawa. For over 25 years, individuals have been invited to speak on books of Jewish interest, not always um, by Jewish authors, but um, books of Jewish interest. And uh, recently, Dr. Kardash offered his review of the book Judas. And so we're going to chat this morning about the book and some of his perceptions and some of my perceptions. Um, And if it encourages you to buy the book, great. Um, And if not, if it encourages you to think about alternative histories of religion, that also serves a wonderful purpose. So, Dr. Kardash, welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. Thank you, Steve. I'm I'm delighted to be here. It's, uh, as I indicated to you uh, in a recent email, this is my opportunity for 
30 minutes of uh, fame. Um, I, uh, I can't recall um, being interviewed on radio uh, recently, for sure, but uh, there was an interview when I was a teenager, uh, which was quite different. But um, I'm glad to be back. Good. Thank you again. And it's a joy to have you with us. Thank and you. I'm happy that you're walking well and uh, recovering from your recent surgery. Yep. So Thank you. Let's begin. Um, share with us your thoughts on Judas by Amos Oz. Well, I came across the book quite by accident. Uh, one of my uh, visits to uh, a local library, which uh, is housed at the Jewish Community Center, which I would recommend to anyone interested in uh, topics of uh, Jewish culture and so on. Um, I saw uh, the book, I saw the author's name, and I was uh, curious, and I started looking through it, and uh, lo and behold, I was captivated uh, right from the very start. Um, so uh, I attended uh, a book review at the Malka Pass Library and uh, offered uh, to review this book by Amos Oz, and um, the person at the desk said, uh, by all means, and so I uh, went to work. And I was absolutely uh, fascinated with each reading um, uh, and uh, the results of, <coughs> of, the, of the readings. Um, so um, here I am, uh, highly recommending this book uh, to your readers. And so perhaps you can give us an overview of the book. I know it's a dense book and um, not easily um, described in a few moments, but take some time and give us the setting and um, your sense of what the book is about. Well, as I indicated to the group um, at the uh, book review um, last week, actually, um, I'm, I'm going to have to condense my comments because there is so much on every page that would lead the reader to do further research, to ask further questions, uh, because there are so many topics, um, let alone the, um, the nature of the book itself, and who, uh, with Amos Oz, uh, having gone what he went through, uh, living in Jerusalem uh, as a divided city and subsequently uh, living in Israel, um, becoming active in the Peace Now movement, uh, familiar with Arab-Israeli relations, um, the um, living in Jerusalem as a divided city, uh, and so on, uh, that's just the start to uh, the opening pages are what captivated me. But I looked upon this book uh, um, using a term that I made up, and I called it Jerusalem Gothic, because it is. it starts off in its structure um, about a house in the divided city of Jerusalem, the year 1959. Um, and in this house are two characters who are living there, and uh, a third character makes his appearance, one Shmuel Ash, who is a young man um, 
caught in a maelstrom of um, personal setbacks. Uh, his father uh, suffers a, a serious uh, financial loss um, and uh, having to, has to curtail uh, financial support for Shmuel, who was a student at the Hebrew University. Uh, his best uh, friend and and ends up marrying uh, his girlfriend. Um, he leaves the university, and he's lost, wandering all over, very upset. In addition, has uh, medical problems, and he answers an ad uh, in the, um, uh, the uh, I think it was the cafeteria of the Hebrew University, where people are requesting a companion for an elderly gentleman just to keep him company and engage in conversation. And that's the second character of the story, which is Gershom Wald, uh, a fascinating character described so, uh, so well by uh, Amos Oz. And the third character, the most fascinating of all, in my opinion, was Atalia, um, the uh, middle-aged, the oh, middle-aged uh, um, uh, resident of the house, and we learn later that um, her uh, husband, uh, which is in reality a third, uh, a fourth character who is not actually present, but being the former husband of Italia, who died in the War of Independence. We learn that he was the only child, the only the son of Gershenwald, the elderly gentleman in, um, in the home. Now, the, the book deals with how these characters deal with a sense of loss, uh, trying to come to terms with uh, a, a major historical event, which was uh, the War of Independence. But the book goes on even further. Um, based on the fact that uh, this student, Shmuel, um, uh, uh, is trying to uh, formulate a thesis uh, dealing with the subject of Judas and his role uh, in the Jesus story. And that goes on for uh, uh, quite a while as well and f forms a, a link between him and um, Gershenwald, uh, the elderly gentleman that I referred to. So for the listeners, I'm sure most of you are well aware of um, who Judas is, but, you know, Judas is the apostle who is portrayed in the Gospels as betraying Jesus. And the nature of his betrayal has been explored and exploited many times over the past 2,000 years, um, seldom emerging with any credit. Medieval Christianity, for example, turned him into the archetypal Jew and used his example to justify its own murderous anti-Semitism. He was seen as a traitor. And so the nature of G Judas as a traitor is, I think, a theme that runs through the book. What is uh, a traitor? Uh, yes? 
Yes, this uh, was a key question that arose, which uh, one has to confront. Who is a traitor? And if you uh, read the book, uh, especially um, uh, chapter, I think it's 45, but you'll come across it somewhere on that very question, uh, both in terms of modern history and ancient history. Um, People like uh, Charles de Gaulle, um, betraying, uh, in quotes, uh, the people of France with regards to the Algerian question. Abraham Lincoln, um, uh, seen as a traitor by uh, many of the people in the southern United States uh, in the emancipation of uh, the black people, and uh, so on. Even uh, figures in um, uh, Jewish history Uh, And uh, Amos Oz uses the fictional character of Shaltiel Abravanel as an example of someone who um, may represent uh, other um, intellectuals, politicians who advocated uh, a different approach to accommodation with the Palestinian Arabs uh, in terms of the establishment of the state of Israel. Right. So, in, in the novel, yeah. Yeah. Um, Oz uh, portrays this figure, uh, Shaltiel Abravanel, as the only member of the Zionist Executive Committee who opposes David Ben-Gurion um, over the foundation of the state of Israel in 1948. Um, he portrays this figure as uh, having developed close links with the local Arab population and advocated instead that Jews and Arabs should live side by side as equals in the country under international control, not dissimilar to some of the historical uh, approaches that were rejected by both Arab and Jews at the time. His colleagues on the Zionist Executive Committee reject his views, suspected him of conspiring with their enemies, forced forced his resignation, and labeled him a traitor. Um, Abravanel had lived out his life as Judas, an outcast, um, shut away in what the novel calls a uh, gloomy house. And as um, you've suggested, um, it may have been he may have been uh, right in his thinking, as um, Oz suggests, such as Churchill or Lincoln, whose challenging unpopular views caused them as times to be labeled as a traitor. Um, and, uh, and Oz is asking um, about this notion of, can you love something so much um, that other people see your love for it Um, in a traitorous manner. Um, It's a fascinating kind of conversation. Um, I'm wondering how you see the nature of traitor in the book. Uh, It is a fascinating subject, for sure. Uh, One of many in the book. And and this is what attracted me to the book so, uh, so much, in that so many questions uh, arose Uh, one of which being this very important one of who is a traitor. And as you mentioned in your introduction, how the uh, individual of Judas uh, is portrayed um, as an interpretation of what 
happened uh, as uh, uh, outlined in the Gospels. And uh, this is just one side effect of uh, the book for uh, for me, uh, because I'm now very much interested in uh, the New Testament, as it's called, and the Gospel writings, and I want to pursue this further. So I had to look into this subject um, and, and many, many others. It seems to be a very common feature of history where individuals have arisen, uh, as exemplified by the fictional character of uh, Chaltiel Abravanel, who take a stand, who have alternative uh, ideas, who are in a position of influence. Uh, I'm not saying power, but certainly influence, as he's portrayed as a member of the Jewish agency, uh, closely involved with figures like Ben-Gurion and all the other um, uh, persons involved in uh, the establishment of the state of Israel, where he has an alternative view that is so contrary that uh, he's expelled and uh, spends the rest of his life in isolation. That's not quite the story of other historical figures, like, uh, as I mentioned, de Gaulle and uh, you mentioned Churchill, uh, uh, Abraham Lincoln, and so on. They went further, but unfortunately, uh, Abravanel is portrayed as a rather tragic figure. Um, and that's uh, what makes him this um, yeah. this comparison to Judas, right? And, yes. And maybe yeah. you can share from your perspective, how is it, What's the thesis that Oz develops with regard to uh, Judas? Because that's kind of the alternative history part here. Well, there is uh, the answer to that is closely linked to your mentioning Dan Brown. Uh, There is obviously uh, an intense interest in the history of critical events in in world history, uh, not uh, not the least of which is the uh, crucifixion uh, of Jesus. The question arises, uh, is there possibly an alternative explanation to what happened? We only have as evidence um, the Gospels and what is recorded, but um, were there other possibilities? And sure enough, Uh, Oz uh, presents uh, alternatives, and he even acknowledges this uh, with references in the book by other scholars who have uh, looked at this, Um, and he himself, through the person of um, Shmuel Ash, the student, and Gershom Wald, uh, the elderly gentleman with whom he establishes a relationship, um, have their discussions and alternative views. And maybe history would have been different, um, not just for the Jewish people, but for the world at large, if there were different interpretations of what might have happened. Uh, again, this is speculation. Sure. Uh, but So um, Oz offers a very particular... Yep. Um, notion of Judas, which is at odds with the um, gospel portrayal, right? Yeah. So Judas um, 
is in Oz's writing, a spy sent by the Jewish authorities to infiltrate the inner circle of Jesus, the preacher who um, lives in distant Galilee, distant from Jerusalem, and who is in attracted and enthusiastic following with his miracles and his reinterpretation of what it means to follow God. Um, so that's how uh, how um, Oz presents him in the beginning, that he's um, sent as an undercover agent of the Jewish authorities who are worried about this radical theologian. But Judas um, becomes enamored um, with uh, Jesus and um, becomes a most ardent believer in Jesus's divinity. And here is the interesting notion that Oz introduces, that Judas becomes more um, convinced of Jesus's divinity than Jesus himself. And um, in the book, um, Judas is the one who encourages Jesus to take his message to Jerusalem. Um, and he quotes a number of passages in the Gospels indicating Jesus's um, uh, ambivalence about going to Jerusalem and confronting the authorities, both Roman and Jewish. Um, so he encourages, and he and it's Judas, according to Oz, who presses the chief priest to have Judas crucified, believing, and here's the kicker in all this, not that he's a traitor, but Judas believes that Jesus will rise from the dead on the cross, and that if he rises from the dead on the cross, then he will be shown to be the Messiah. When Judas doesn't rise from the cross, rises three days later, Judas recognizes himself as having potentially been the first and the last Christian, and then in despair takes his own life by hanging himself. Yes. It's a fascinating religious perspective, right, that Judas is not um, really a traitor in the sense that we think of him, according to Oz. He is the man who believes so strongly that his actions are then, when they don't turn out to be what he had hoped for, interpreted differently. Um, Oz says, you know, Judas comes from this wealthy family. What does he need 30 pieces of gold for? Or silver. Silver. Um, and that... Um, this was kind of treachery in the name of a good cause. And that's what he compares to de Gaulle, who um, is um, rejecting promises he makes in Algeria. And he compares it to Churchill, who, as many of our listeners know, um, had um, broken the code of enigma, but chose to um, ignore that, lest the Germans know it and change it. And that resulted in the deaths of many British and English and allied soldiers for not stopping one event. Um, and then this, this tension between what you believe in. So if you have a cause to believe in um, and you pursue your belief even when it turns out to have negative consequences, does that make you a traitor? Yes, I think that's what he's suggesting and what you suggested. You know, was Churchill a traitor to the British people? Um, I think uh, your listeners have to realize uh, an underlying religious principle or doctrine which was prevalent 
in the land of Israel at that time. You only have to read um, the book of Maccabees, but the book of Daniel, Isaiah, Ezekiel, about the issue of the resurrection of the dead. It was a common belief. And I pointed out in in the book review, which uh, uh, drew uh, surprised looks from people, I started off by saying, I'm going to review three books uh, this evening. Um, every And I said, please don't leave. Uh, one of the books was uh, Amos Oz's book, Judas, of course. The other book that I made reference to was uh, the Gospels, uh, the Christian Bible. Uh, but there was a third book, and I held up um, the daily prayer book uh, used by Jews all over the world, uh, probably for thousands of years, which contains an interesting blessing um and uh, the Hebrew is Mechayeyametim, the resurrection of the dead. We actually thank, uh, we acknowledge that God resurrects the dead. And we haven't discarded that, yet Jews for centuries have dealt with this subject, so much so that the uh, reform movement has removed this particular reference uh, and changed it, but nevertheless they deal with it. So here is a, a, an issue which Judas himself firmly believes in, the, uh, that um, convinces uh, Jesus to be tried and executed, and then he will descend from the cross alive, and the new messianic age will begin. So that's a key principle. Now, without answering your question, I had to get this into your readers. It's only one issue uh, that comes up in this book that you have to pursue. Uh, I, as a a reader and reviewer, will now pursue interests and studies in the Gospels. I want to know, really, what's written here, and how, what are the interpretations of the teachings of Paul, and so on, um, and uh, and the other um, uh, uh, followers of Jesus. Um, because this is obviously an important topic to everyone. Right. And so, so in the time uh, that's available, I just yeah. want to um, um, indicate that this book challenges you, uh, Sid Kardash, to go look at um, the Gospels, but it also should challenge non-Jewish um, listeners and readers to look at the um, environment of Judaism in the first century of the Common Era. Exactly. That the notion of miracle workers, the notion of eschatology, the end of the world, the notion of itinerant preachers, the um, whole dynamic um, under Roman authority, which is uh, causing uh, normative Judaism to exist under great tension of which the figure Jesus emerges out of, um, is something that uh, Oz um, compares, interestingly enough, to that Petri dish of what happens between 1948 um, and the establishment of the State of Israel, in which he says that there's great chaos and there's uh, a conflict of what's the right thing to do. Um, 
I want to thank you, Sid, for sharing with us your thoughts. Um, it's always difficult to compress a long review into a brief interview, yes. but I think you've done a great job, and I hope that you've enticed um, the listeners um, to look for this book, and if they can't find the book, to then to follow your lead and to look at areas of history that they may not be as familiar with, whether it's um, the biblical epic, the epic of the Gospels, even modern history of Churchill. Um, and um, it is a fascinating um, use of the reinterpretation or the reimaging of history to cause us to look at our own lives and our own period. Uh, thank you, Sid Kardash, for joining me this morning for Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten, wishing you, the listener, uh, a good day and shalom. Oh,